going on down to interview to be the poet laureate. See you later, Clem. Morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So when when you were futzing around with family stuff, I uh, I was thinking this isn't the show. This is the preparatory action to the show, and I suddenly wondered where I got that phrase preparatory action. And I remembered it, and I looked it up, and it is um, when uh, Scriabin returned to Russia, the uh, late aughts, the late 19 yeah. aughts, uh, to compose. He was losing it, and he um, was going to uh, he was going to create this giant uh, piece called Mysterium, which would be, I think, like multiple orchestras, and when it was performed, the world would end. And the um, there'd be an apocalypse, and the genders would merge. There would there would be no men and women after that. In some sort of afterlife, we'd all be we'd all be a unisex. This would um, be the, the consequence of his performance. Exactly, exactly. And um, he actually wrote a thing that was performable that he called the preparatory action to the Mysterium, and it was later um, actually after his death, I think it was actually performed uh, to no. No, no, no gender confusion, as far as I know, <laughs> let alone apocalypse. Or clarity. Yeah. Well, no, no. <laughs> yeah. The man was not about clarity. He was about putting a, a, a crap ton of notes on the page. Preparatory action to the Mysterium. Preparatory action to the Mysterium, yeah. That's great. It's a great Steve Enzian title. Yeah, kind of is. Mm-hmm. Throw some geese or cats in there, you've got a. You've got it. You've got it going on. Preparatory action for the Mysterium at the cathedral. <laughs> the cathedral of geese. At the cat cathedral. <laughs> Preparatory action for the Mysterium at the cat cathedral. Oh, uh, you're going to the beach. You said. Is that we are? True? It's true. Going to go down to to Oceanside, Oregon, south of Tillamook, for uh, a few days of of. Uh, Rest and relaxation from this busy life that we have, where we are at, always at home. <laughs> Still, you think you think being at home all the time would be the opposite of busy, but you'd be wrong. And finally, and I've I know that I've talked about this before. We're going to be there in time for the Tillamook County Fair. Yeah, for the first time in, in all of our visits, uh, which features the. Pig and Ford's race, which I've tried to oh, describe to you yeah. before, which yeah. is hard to describe, of course. Yeah. Pigs, Fords, greased, humorless, um, <laughs> you know, just the country seriousness. I'm going to hold on to this pig. I'm going to go around this arena in a flatbed car. I'm going to hold on to this pig. Anybody laughs, I'm going to gut them. <laughs> Pig is my hostage against the criticism of others, especially younger people <laughs> and outsiders, <laughs> docksiders. Outsiders wearing docksiders. <laughs> uh, I'm delighted, and just to be able to go to uh, this will be the first uh, county fair of the season for us. Hopefully, we'll get to go to many county fairs and state fairs. Which I've always enjoyed, but with a toddler, um, what fun, you know, the stink, mamas. Is there an ideal age to bring a child to a county fair? What's the 38. (laughs) Next question. (laughs) It'll be be pushing you around in your your wheelchair. (laughs) Uh, So, Owen, (laughs) Owen has some grandiose notions uh <laughs> he he um has announced that he wants to um two things that he wants to do one he's he wants to walk from our home to his birthplace which is missoula missoula montana he wants to walk yeah. to, to missoula montana from from here to That's set out it. and arrive yeah, on foot. On foot. And he's he is he has done some preliminary mapping, like what places he might be able to find shelter for the night. He's been plotting what kinds of foods to bring. Um 
The other thing he wants to do is visit every county of, of the state of New York. How many are there? There are a lot. Uh, a there lot are 105 more... in Kansas, and it's oh, more are, recent. I don't think there are that many. Gee, there are 105 counties in Kansas? 105. Jeez, man. I can list them for you if you'd like. I can list the counties of New Jersey for you. Yeah. Would oh, you yeah. like to ex- make this exchange? Uh-huh. Right. Do you, who's, who should go first? Um, well, I laid it down, so I'd say uh, Atchison. Good start. Mm-hmm. Starts with A. Oh, we're gonna, are we going to alternate? No, no. You're, are you are you just are you going to recite them? Like I you, would say Atchison, and you would say Bergen. No, no, no. Do, do you have them memorized? Do you have the counties? Um, I used to. <laughs> and county and county seats. There's only there's only 21 counties in New Jersey, and so oh. my fifth grade memorization is still strong. And it goes like this. Atlantic, Bergen, Burlington, Camden, Cape May, Cumberland, Essex, Gloucester, Hudson, Hunterton, Mercer, Middlesex, Monmouth, Morris, Ocean, Passaic, Salem, Somerset, Sussex, Union, Warren. Warren, where I grew up. Oh, it's nice. There's 62 brings, counties it brings in, it home at the, in end. the state of yeah. New York. 62 in New York. 62. Yeah. Well, Kansas, we have Atchison, Butler, uh, Cherokee. Others, 102 others, Shawnee. I, yeah. I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't have a mnemonic device. I just knew them. And the tricky thing is that many of the state of uh, the county seats are the names of other counties. But yeah. they don't, they're not in the county that they name. So Atchison is not in Atchison County. Uh, Cherokee is not in Cherokee County. Shawnee is not in Shawnee County. Lyons is not in Lyons County. It's very confusing. Yeah, I I gotta say I feel like the people who named the counties, I think that job was given to the the less the less skillful of the municipal organizers. Mm-hmm. It was a diversion program, <laughs> trying to keep them from meddling with <laughs> important matters. <laughs> anyway. So which county is, is the uh, the part of the shore that you were at this last week? Um, or is that a countyless got, region? Got to be ocean. Hold on. Hold on. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's ocean, which is highly unimaginative, as as we have just been saying. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking at a map now. Yeah, I think it's it's Ocean County. And you saw Ray Romano. Yeah, we did. We did. We did. did, did <laughs> Is he my, in every summer? Is that an every summer sighting? Yeah, or? his he oh. and his family rent the the place across the street from us. Although those theirs is right on the beach, and they stay in it for quite a long time. So they're there when we arrive, and they're still there when we leave. But um, mm. uh, but you know, we we usually talk to him every year, or at least sort of wave or something. This year, my father was doing a was lying on the beach doing a crossword puzzle in the newspaper. And uh, one of the clues, you must have seen this on Twitter, one of the clues was actor Romano. So he <laughs> he got up, <laughs> walked across the beach to where Ray Romano was sitting, and just showed him the crossword clue. And Ray Romano said, I hope you got it right. And my father said, yes, I did. And then they talked for a little bit longer. And yeah. then my, my mother... Uh, it's a good icebreaker. It's a good icebreaker. It, it is, but what are you left with after that? Not a lot. You got, no, what do you got for twenty two down? You know, you <laughs> I think they, out the rest of the crossword together. Yeah, that's <laughs> see who else is on the beach. <laughs> Reviewer Siskin, which uh, f- former governors of of uh, you know North Dakota are on the beach. Um, czar. There would have to be a czar on the beach because I think that is Una Chaplin on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, Gabor is present? <laughs> You've done more crosswords than I have, clearly. <laughs> I just know Una is always on every every crossword. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think they talked about re- real estate. They talked about but the possibility of buying a place at the shore and how that ship has kind of sailed since they're very expensive and you don't spend a lot of time there. And uh, even for a television star like Ray Romano, it's, it wasn't worth it. And uh, uh, and I think my mom bumped into him later in the week and told him uh, about me and that I am 
responsible for a television show, which is good mother. Not Sue, not so, but yeah, I was I was flattered. Mm-hmm. Got to um, work your son into your son's career into any conversation. Yeah, yeah. Unforgettable is it showing presently, or as far yeah. as you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I watched an episode at the at the shore actually. Yeah, are they still hewing closely to your characterizations and <laughs> yeah, plots? That's right. That's right. They <laughs> they strayed a bit. Straight bit, I must say, <laughs> from the canonical uh, paragraph. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it's it's a class operation. I like it. I like. I'll it. have to tune in. I haven't. Um, it moves around on the schedule, and there's two years between uh, seasons. Yeah, it's very it's very erratic. It would appear. I don't know if it's going to continue after this season or what. I think I think it's already on borrowed time, but maybe not. I mean, you know, it's been on Sunday night. I don't know if anything else is on Sunday night, so maybe maybe people are watching it. It's got its viewers. Quality literary based literature based entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jill's been watching this show with clones in it. Our TV watching has dropped off. We moved the television. Um, so that Oscar wouldn't know where it is. Yeah. So no more television for Oscar, um, which has meant a lot less. More, it's more difficult for us to watch television. And we're TV watchers. We'd be happy to watch. I, I could waste a day in front of the TV. Sure. I don't want to, but I can't. You know. <laughs> I can't. Hold, gold, I don't want to brag. Hold that skill in reserve for when it's Don't mean necessary. to brag, but I can watch TV for a really long time. <laughs> But now we're not now we're not watching anything. Reading books. Well, that show is called what? Orphan Orphan Black, right? I think so, yeah. The clone show? Is it good? Yeah. I I don't know. I was it doesn't at, make uh, sense to me. We're at we're at uh, Colgate. I was at Colgate at the conference a couple of months ago and uh most of the readings are given by the faculty, but uh they always invite a few guests just to come for the night, give a reading, hang out with everybody and then go home the next day and I can't remember the name of the woman who came. She's very nice. Uh, she wrote a novel called Orphan Train, and it was uh, based in a historical the historical orphan trains that you know. I think that uh, I don't know. They go around took kids from the globe the, picking up orphans in New York City. Yeah, and then they would deliver the orphans. They basically ship orphans out of New York City to be conscripted to work out in the uh, you know out in the Midwest. And uh, this was a scandalous and dramatic and so she fashioned it into a novel so uh but this this guy uh it's this guy named matt uh hotham who uh went to school there and has been a, a regular at the conference gave and he gives good introductions um he was, he was asked to give an introduction to this woman and over and over he called her novel <laughs> orphan black <laughs> and he didn't know he was doing it it wasn't until it wasn't until after the reading that we told him do you realize you just you said orphan black over and over? <laughs> so it must That's, have made it's making an impression on someone. It must be, yeah. Um, it's a shame that he didn't just describe the, the whole novel as <laughs> as the TV show. <laughs> really, do more of a bit with it. Like the lady at a bookstore in L.A. once who introduced me, um, at, gave my biography as being that of the protagonist of the funnies. She said that I came from a large family and my father was a cartoonist and did, nice. didn't realize it was not a memoir. Didn't correct her, I hope. I did. I think now, uh, now, later, now that I've been conditioned by the internet to, to not care so much about getting the facts straight, yeah. I, would yeah. have let it, I would have let it go. Um, but I was young and, I, and I, mm-hmm. I thought that I could dictate the terms of my own presentation of your identity yeah Yeah. you don't want to be disrespectful to your own parents no neither of whom is a cartoonist no can they draw at all neither of your folks uh my father actually one of my fondest one of my fondest uh uh, habitual sort of childhood memories is my father's uh he would he would attend uh school board meetings he was on the school board and uh he would bring his you know his, his brown briefcase and his yellow uh, legal pad and he would just doodle on the pad and he would draw a lot of trucks nice a lot of 18 wheelers so uh when he came home from a meeting at night i always ran over to embrace him and then begged him to take the 
take the uh, mm-hmm. legal pad out so I could see the doodles. Mm-hmm. So yeah, my dad can draw though. I don't know if he's done it for a long time. I think now that he doesn't attend meetings, he's he doesn't have a reason to uh, doesn't have a reason to do it. No. My brother is uh, has been on a committee. He's seeking a higher committee. He's been on the. Uh, he was never on the school board. He was on the the Overland Park City Council. Yeah, Overland Park, Kansas. It's actually the third largest city in Kansas by population, but it still sounds. Um, a lot of the suburbs of Kansas City, which are very, you know, wealthy and cosmopolitan. Yeah. Uh, whenever they're in the news, in the news, they're represented like they're like little dusty white trash towns, Overland Park, Prairie Village. Um, but they're filled with Coke money, you know. Yeah. Uh, but so he's uh, running for uh, the county commission now. Yeah. After 10 years on the city council. His county, the the district for his county is almost exactly the same as his city um, district. Yeah. So it's all the same voters, but a new thing. And he didn't win instantly during the elections the other day. I think if you won over fifty percent to the primary, you just used win. Okay. So he actually has he has to have another race with uh, the other leaders against was he... the incumbent against against the person presently holding the seat on the is county this, commission. Is this costing him money? Has he like been campaigning with? He's campaigning. Signs? Yeah, yeah. He's been campaigning in signs. He's this is his third campaign. He knows how to do it, and you know, raises I think enough money to. To do it to whatever the scale is, which is probably not very grand, mm-hmm. you know. Um, Did he have the most but, votes uh, in the in the election? He had the most popular votes, but the least electoral votes. Interesting. No, no, he had. Uh, I think <laughs> uh, maybe eleven, three, three or four candidates. I think about eleven thousand votes cast. The incumbent, maybe six or seven thousand votes, so fifty percent or a little less than fifty percent, and my brother got thirty percent, and then the rest was divvied up among the others. Right. So it could be fifty-fifty. But I think my brother will win. He'll he'll campaign well and oh and, and be charming. I think in a head-to-head, but uh, who knows? Suddenly, it's you know, it's the, I think it's the contest to watch. In the midterm elections. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So have, has he uh, held elected office before? Has anyone uh, in your family? I has anyone in your no. family held elected office? Well, my dad was yeah. in the state house, Topeka, was a, for twenty years. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Why, why haven't for, we? Then he ran for Congress, and uh, almost won, and then. Uh, and then Why haven't he we talked about this? Public life. I don't know. I have no it was, recollection. It was all of this. Befo- it's all before I was born, or about oh. the time I was born. He he ran for Congress in maybe 1970, um, maybe 72. I think 70, and uh, and didn't win. And then I was born the following year. How old won was something? <laughs> he he won my age the, now. The Skoog Stakes. Yeah. All right. So both of you. Both of you ha- are having your first child around 40. Yeah. Yeah. But my dad, had, before I was born, had had a, a, you know, a, a rich and active uh, political life. Oh, no, you like, were the last in child. His, in his mid-20s or so, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, I see. So your, your older brothers were children when your dad was in his political career. There are no – all the, the, the political photos of my dad and his family um, sitting on a couch, well-dressed and scrubbed and smiling for the camera – they all, none of them include me, for I had yet to be born. <laughs> Bummer. Yeah. They're good pictures. You had a, lot of, a lot of fine photographs of, of my family before my arrival from, from yeah. all the political advertising. Have you run for anything since uh, student body president? No. <laughs> no. no. I'll never run for anything. You know what you could be? Poet laureate. I'd rather not. <laughs> I'd rather not. I don't understand how you could be poet laureate of uh, of uh, um, 
I, I, I don't really understand how you could suffer that with a good conscience. You know, I could, you could do it now. I mean, if you if you're if you're political, as everybody's political, um, like during the 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 the, the dark previous decade, um, people who are serving as poet laureate, who are people I respect, Merwin, um, others, people who were political, avowedly political, Donald Hall, um, who were poet laureate during a, you know. The, like 2005 or so during the Bush years and yeah. the, the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq. And I don't understand how the fuck you could do that. Yeah. I don't even know. I oppose these do wars. It. I'm the poet laureate of this country. Yeah. We just killed your children. Cause they were just in the way they were in our way. Now here are some poems that are, that are given the national imprimatur. Oops. Another village. You know, it's just insane. Yeah. It's the most insane thing I can think of. Yeah, that's nuts. Most insane thing. Right Have any of them talked publicly about that? I mean, how that made them feel? No. In a way, really. in a way. Um, I think they agreed not to. Was Simic post uh, Obama? And I think Simic was right there, towing the Bush party line. Man, he got he was bombed by Hugo, of course. Yeah. Yeah. His own village was bombed by the United States. He was uh, when I interviewed him. He, he he totally did not want to talk about poet laureate. He was on his way out, and he was very grumpy about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I, uh, I I don't know. I don't know how you can. But how could you say no? How could it'd be you hard? Say it'd no? be hard to it'd be hard to say no. But um, if you're a person of character, sometimes you have to. <laughs> Said the, the unemployed of poet. Has to say no. <laughs> Uh, you know, I did. Uh, I did interview to be the Washington State Poet Laureate this last I'm year. I'm aware of that. Yeah, and uh, I felt like a real fool. Afterwards. Well, you op- you oppose all of Washington's uh, incursions <laughs> I, against other I'm, states. I'm, I'm pretty much in favor of Washington State, <laughs> but yeah. uh, still, I felt like uh, I felt I felt like a fool. Like, I'm going on down to interview to be the Poet Laureate. See you later, Clem. <laughs> See you later. Do, 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 walking down with my long legs and big hands, walking down, you know, got my satchel, waiting for the train. Well, hello, Ed, says the conductor. Where are you going? I'm going up to Seattle. I'm going to interview to be the Pooh Laureate. Well, come on. We can, you can ride up front. You can follow the whistle. I just felt like there's a room, you know? Oh, oh you poor man. It must have been. <laughs> Must have been miserable. <laughs> uh, who, who ended up with it? And do, have they done a good job? <laughs> yeah, she's doing fine. No. Good, good, good poet. Elizabeth who is Austin. Oh, right. Elizabeth Austin, good poet. She works for, um, she like, you know, works with poetry and sick children. That raises money and does poetry stuff for the children's hospital and is a good person and sweet disposition and oh. an intelligent poet. Has a thing on the radio. Is presents herself well. So this, already has a job. It's the part that I heard in that was already had a job. You have to have a job to get a job. Uh huh. Uh-huh. And it wasn't really a job. I mean, it didn't really pay much. But. But it would have, uh, I don't know, would have, wouldn't have been the weirdest thing I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, preparation is probably uh, intensifying for the Triggering Town review. I was up at three working on the script. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Have you uh, figured I mean, out how to kill George Washington? We stopped believing in him. <laughs> it's after we tried... After we tried drowning, um, a few other things, uh, we just stopped believing in him, and he dies. Do y'all are y'all like sitting around a writer's table, like throwing out ideas? Mm-hmm. Is, is Sarah bringing in food she found on the street to share? Yeah, we're gonna read you a little section of it. Yeah, this is part of Sarah's. Right. I'll strum the twelve-string guitar while you're while you're gone.
Oh, you back? Yep. I've been uh, recording uh, 12-string guitar. I've been slathering 12-string guitar all over the Starry Mountain Sweetheart Band album without without informing anyone else. So It's a lot of strings. They're going Yeah, um although this thing's staying in tune to my to my surprise is a Hegstrom Viking and it ought to be going out of tune constantly, but it doesn't. The problem I'm finding is with the 12-string guitar is your your fat little finger is mute the strings you don't want muted. It's very hard to play precisely. And so I find myself doing like 50 takes for a... It's really an, an instrument for people with little hands. Yeah, and I am... I mean, I don't have giant hands, but I am not a man with little hands. I'm a, I'm a guy with medium hands. Well, not much can be done for an injured horse, because George Washington is a centaur also. Right. Can I tell you that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to put him down. But I'm only half horse. I understand, Mr. President, but you're going to have to die. The romantic figure, two produces a series of murder tools from a bag, but can't bring herself to use them. Uh, someone in a mask says, perhaps we could drown him. And they try. <laughs> Abe Lincoln reappears with a Hilliard's beer. How about we shoot him in the head? That's how I was done. If another president were shot in a theater, maybe it wouldn't be as big a deal. He is shoot away. Romantic figure, too. Perhaps if we just stopped believing in him, he'd go peacefully. Like if we just unfriended him. Let's try it. And everyone puts their hands to their heads and makes forgetting noises. And then George Washington delivers a, a speech in, in his defense. <laughs> a dramatic death speech is called for. I plead with you to believe in me, your first president, your dollar-faced dearie. Some things about me. I'm very sensitive about my body. I try to be empathetic in everything. Why, just yesterday, I found a baby bird on the sidewalk, and I scooped it up and tried to give it tender care. I cooed to it, as to my own child, gave it some of my own Diet Coke. I even put down my bucket of fried chicken so both hands would be free. <laughs> and although it died a few moments later... I feel like I really did something there. Alas, I will join you, baby bird, in death's fried and spicy embrace. George Washington slumps to the ground. It takes some time to die. Intermission. We might have, we might have roped figures come out with jello shots at that point. We, yeah. We have decided. Yeah, that's always appropriate. So it's uh, that sort of thing. You're really, so you're really, you're, this is like an anti-campaign to become Poet Laureate of the United States. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing what I can <laughs> to disgrace myself. <laughs> uh, who is playing uh, George Washington? Sarah Galvin. Oh, this is. In a centaur perfect. outfit. Yeah. I'm sorry that I can't come. I I had planned to, and then I'm then I got my book tour schedule. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. And um and then uh, I have agreed to go to Philadelphia to practice music with some people, um, around that same time. But are What's you going the Philadelphia to Philadelphia thing? Didn't a different uh, musical this outfit? Is, yeah, this is the uh, Andrew Chalfin and Dean Clean and I made this mm -hmm. record. And Andrew, it's mostly his record, has been adding stuff to it and remixing it and prepare, you know, getting it mastered. Um, and he's going to release it. And he, we're talking about playing some shows together. So, oh, you should. Yeah. Sure. So, um, so, but, but I got to go down there and practice with him to see if it's a thing. It might not be a thing. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, Andrew is going to see. He's going to find out. But I'll let the podcast know if, if this I think it might not be a thing because the music is uh, really studio. Well, wh what I music, said to, it might not work live. Or? No, no, it will work live. But it, the I said to him, why don't we schedule a show now? And that way, like, uh, we could play a set and my band could play a set, either one in Ithaca maybe and one in Philly. And he said, well... Let's wait because I want to see if we have a band first. Meaning, you you all may fail the audition. Yeah, the implication there, which uh, which you know, 
I, do, I think I think Dean will pass with flying colors. <laughs> uh, I actually I think I'm the I think I'm the weak link here. I think I'm the weak link. I'm the I'm the keyboardist. Mm-hmm. And maybe I maybe I won't be up to the task. Maybe I I uh, maybe I'm not good enough. You're good enough, John. You think so? You're good enough. You're good enough for Philadelphia. <laughs> you ain't good enough for Philly. Get out of here. <laughs> Go back to Aspen Wall. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, 12-string guitar. I've been adding 12-string guitar to things. Because it's a beautiful sound. It's, it's, it's a chime. Mm-hmm. The, the small, small differences in tuning between the two strings, the two ostensibly identically tuned strings, it's part of what gives it its phasey charm. Mm-hmm. It's, hard it's not play. a lonely instrument. No, each note has a friend. Yeah. It suggests a crowd, a sympathetic crowd. Hey, you know what else I'm doing? Without asking anyone's permission. And then a little egg like shaker. Ah. I love the egg shaker. It's the 12 string guitar of eggs. Except there's so there's more than twelve grains in there. Kind of want to open it up and see what what the things are inside it that are making the sound. Little, little dried chickens. Yeah, and then I'll have a dead egg full of dead. Wait till it hatches. Dead try dead baby chickens that don't make any sound at all. Wait till it hatches and see see what comes out of it. I'll, I'll sit on it. I'll be <laughs> on that egg great. shaker for a while, baby. What if your your band is on tour and <laughs> Uh, you have all the all the frustrations of being on tour, all the scheduling things, all the disputes with club owners, all the poor sound systems, all of the uh, bad food and and awkward sleeping arrangements. Plus, you have to band, sit in an egg. You have to sit on an egg. Someone always has to be sitting. Someone's on Someone's always sitting on the egg shaker. <laughs> yeah, during shows it's the drummer, but the yeah. rest of us already turns, already seated. Already yeah. seated. Mm-hmm. Oh man, that would suck. Well, I think <clears throat> we've, we've talked about the difficulty of of the rock and roll novel. Yeah, I think we solved it. <laughs> we have. Yeah, that's the X factor. <laughs> we solved it. <laughs> Hatching an egg. That's all it took. <laughs> Dickens didn't really know how to um, how to write a, a you know a book about um, you know London and eighteen fifty five and deprivations and the class struggle. So I thought spontaneous combustion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Melville just kind of cast about for a long time. Not sure what to do. Something about a whale. And then he thought uh, uh, peg leg. That was it. Peg leg was the way in. Peg leg, <laughs> spontaneous combustion, uh, rock and roll egg hatch. You know, uh, I still... I still think that uh, the the whole spontaneous combustion part of that book, which just it really, really feels really feels pasted in. It's it was not necessary. It's hard to tell what happened. We don't we don't see the combustion. We see no. the ash. Yeah, we surmise. We do. We're invited to surmise that Mister. Uh, no, can't remember his name now. No, me neither. Old guy. Yeah, the rag dealer. Yeah. Yeah. Has the papers. Hey, speaking of mysteries in books, I just read, um, I was tweeting about this morning, I just read um, Karen Joy Fowler's uh, We Are All Completely Beside Ourselves. You remember that, that panel? Jill I was is reading it right now. Yeah. Jill is reading. Mm-hmm. So much was made, much has been made of the, um, there's a big reveal a quarter of the way in. Uh, a surprising fact emerges a, a quarter of the way in, and um, Karen didn't want to say what it was at during that panel discussion uh, because there were lots of people in the audience, myself included, who hadn't read the book. Mm-hmm. But of course, if you read anything, you know, if you read about books online, you find things out. And of course, I found out what the the secret was, uh, and then I uh, so I put off reading the book. And uh, because I thought it had been sort of spoiled, but of course it wasn't spoiled. That's it, it was the uh, the secret was greatly oversold. And 
as uh, as uh, another writer who I was talking to on Twitter about this, Allison Lynn said she actually thinks the book is maybe better if you know what the secret of it is ahead of time, because then the withholding of the secret becomes an interesting character detail, and you can try to suss that out while you're reading it. So, but I think this book I should have read it sooner. Um, I didn't read it in part because it had been presented to me as a gimmick book. Yeah. And I don't like gimmicks. And uh, I didn't, or more specifically, I don't like books that uh, rely on gimmicks. But as it turns out, the rhetoric about this book was wrong, and uh, it does not rely on a gimmick. And it's really moving and wonderful, mm -hmm. and I highly recommend it. I, I, I cried uh, at the end, lying in bed this morning. Woke up my wife with my tears as I read the end of We're All Completely Beside Ourselves. So that's, believe the hype, that's a but good not recommendation. About yeah. Um, so I'm going to wake up one of these mornings uh, to Jill's tears. She's yep. wiping her tears on my um, my pajama top. Yeah. From finishing this book. There are worse ways to wake up. Mm -hmm. Dead. Yeah. Well, which is not waking up, but. Yeah. Okay. So here's I'm gonna make I'm gonna make another. Is that the uh, trick? They wake up dead. Is that the gimmick? <laughs> I figured it out. Um, I also did not read it. I'm embarrassed about this, and I'm going to admit it now. I didn't read because the of book a previous book. Because the previous book, yeah, which I I've never read, that's why is, I, that's... is called the Jane Austen Book Club, which seems yeah. to me a terrible title of a book I wouldn't read. Yeah, but uh, I might if it, even called, go... if it were an unknown book by Jane Austen called Book Club, <laughs> I wouldn't read that. <laughs> it's yeah. not the words. Yeah, yeah. If it, I, the, I, if it were the J. Robert Lennon Book Club, you'd read it. Uh, I don't know if I would actually. <laughs> I don't think so. Have you? Have you or Jill? What read if it was Jane called Austin the J. Book Robert Club? Lennon Book Club and you were Jane Austen? <laughs> Would you be curious? I would be curious. Yeah, and this blurb from Alice Siebold for the Jane Austen Book Club, if I could eat this novel, I would. That's enough to prevent me from ever reading it as long as I live. But now, now that I've read the new book, and I think it's superb, I'm, I could go back and read the Jane Austen Book Club. You can go back and reread The Lovely Bones? No. No, we're not going to do that. I read the first few pages of that, and I... I just could not believe how bad it was. It, I, I was, I was shocked. Yeah. I was shocked at the cred that that book yeah. was getting. Yeah. Yep. Something <laughs> just make you hate the human race. I'm saying it with a smile on my face today. <laughs> Kudos to anybody f finishing a book, even yeah. if it's crap. What you mean, reading it or, or writing it? Writing it. Yeah. Yeah. My friend Alyssa, her first book has just come out. I'm very excited about it. Yeah. Want to tell me about it? Want me to link to it? Alyssa, well, I haven't what? read it yet. Oh, what's the name of the book? She listens to the show. What's the name of your friend? Alyssa, what? Washuda. I don't know how to even begin to spell that. A book of rules. My body's a book of rules. That's the name of it. I think of Alyssa's book. My body is a book of rules. W A S H. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and I've seen her on the Twitter. Yeah. Oh, this is great. It's a memoir. Memoir. We're working on it for a while. Well, uh, living here in Seattle, teaching in the Native American Studies program at UW. Yeah. And uh, being a, a part of our exciting literary scene here in Seattle and uh, been working on this book patiently and it's uh, spirited on its way <laughs> and it's now in bookstores as of this week. Fantastic. I got a, um, and I think it'll be the first of many, the first ready, ready space on your shelf for the, the Alyssa Washuda shelf. And this is this many, book, many books to come. This book is dropping at a good time for, um, Women writing serious nonfiction. This is a this is a thing at the moment, and there are good practitioners of it. 
Well, when was it not a thing? It's always been a thing, but it has is getting popular attention right now in a way that it hasn't. For oh, a popular time. readership is. Yeah. Not just not just people who like good books. People no. who just like <laughs> no, 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 no. Read. Actually, yeah. large groups of people who are putting down yeah. money for books. So, yeah. like you know, purchasers. Like right. Yeah. The James Jameson book and Roxane Shelf Gay large. and. This is, this is a wave that our friend Alice is going to is going to ride is riding. She's very impatient and very impatient to be famous. That Alice, but it seems to me that she's she's getting there very quickly. Did you read her new essay? I tried it was in, the, in the all yesterday. Oh my god! Yeah, and all her all her roommates. Well, it's about Lana Del Rey, and it's about you know. At one point, it's either it was, about pop music or it's about her roommates, depending yeah. on. Which part you think and, is funny. And Nabokov. And she compares Lana Del Rey to Nabokov quite persuasively, I must say. And yeah. then she says out of nowhere. Oh, unerringly. Unerringly. Yeah. What is yeah. this sentence? It's something like, uh, is it obvious to you that I don't know what I'm talking about? I thought that was a great, a great line. But the yeah. um but the uh, the roommate <laughs> the roommate who's who's uh, around our age and she has to pretend she's his girlfriend and there's a crazy man living in the carport. Uh, who says that? Uh, who says <laughs> that? Uh, she he may refer you to you as you guys, even though you're only one person. So uh, definitely, I'll link to this. Um, yeah, it was delightful. Yeah, there's one. There's one sentence particularly, and this is this is you know not. Uh, she's such a good writer. The, the rappers, all the rappers who are living, yeah, <laughs> living with her, she has to sort of work her way around. And, uh, uh, no, it's, it's showing up differently. Um, uh, oh, anyway. Oh, the con- she's describing the apartment. Um, the complex raked up from the crowded street in a series of ro- rose-filled terraces. That's great. That's yeah, really, really nice. It's really nice. Yeah, I, I think that, I think that, uh, I think, uh, you know, Alice is, Alice's career is interesting to me because she's doing a kind of audacious thing that I think more writers ought to try to do, which is to attempt to master a whole bunch of forms at the same time, which means that you are not, you know, for instance, publishing poems constantly and sending out poetry manuscripts manuscripts constantly. You're doing a bunch of other stuff. But that she's um all these forms are getting to inform each other so i think she's becoming a, yeah. a richer writer and on all fronts and i yeah. hope it works well for her since she appears to be tireless at it um and is good at it but uh i think it's kind of bold to do that to to um try to do everything ah youth ah youth ah youth um good essay Good string of essays. They're like, they're like one every two weeks. Yeah. The first night I moved in, ants came out from the cracks in the closet and swarmed my <laughs> swarmed backpack. Swarmed my backpack. Yeah. Yeah. Good sentences. I agree. Any other good online writing you saw this week, Ed? Perhaps oh, wow. some uh, so, perhaps some sh- uh, short stories by some people you know? Did I, did I miss something? Did I some short yes. stories? Some, some work of yours that I... Yeah. So... um Someone There's a ghost it? in the background. Oh, it's oh! Really <gasps> yeah, will you put that in the fridge? Okay. Look what Rian has brought me. The watermelon? A... Mango? <laughs> no, it's a it's a bagel with locks. And capers. <laughs> it looks capers. like a mango in Skype vision. Bye. <laughs> 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 Thank you, dear. Uh-huh. Definitely hang on to that for me. Was that little mango seeds on top of it? Uh, no, those are capers. Uh-huh. It was not Ed. Listen, listen. Capers are the mango. mango seeds of the bagel world. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so um, yeah. So uh, at the um conference, the Colgate conference, um, for the past couple of years, uh, Zach and I have tried to collaborate on something and then read you know, something funny and then read it. At oh, the I end didn't of the see. Week. I didn't see this. Yeah. I've been. I've been. Busy, so, I've, been I've been uncharacteristically working this week. So she and I and our friend Amber Harding, who's uh, going by the name A. Harding, um, and this is this is her first published piece. We all wrote really short stories 
with the title falling down the stairs about someone falling down the stairs and um the, the ones that the women came up with were spectacular um virginia's and ambers are just awesome and so uh the uh, a hardings was um monday mine was wednesday and zex just came out today this is on monkey bicycle net and i'm very proud of these i i uh, i feel like there was like a little inspired moment uh, yeah. that all of us did this so yeah i'll uh, put those, put those up and i will digest them i'll all read right. them on my device on my way to the beach oh good sounds like good beach reading yeah i think i think you're right you can have you uh, have you done any more of the translations i did 20 i did all 20 you, you completed your what you see is the yeah. I realized that I would just I didn't want them to get stale. Um, yeah. So I f- oh, let me find them here. Uh, so yeah, I I did Love. twenty of them. In the end, I was fine. Yeah, I think I mentioned this in the podcast. I was I was uh, finding texts, uh, random texts on the internet, and then um, Google translating them into the right. languages of my of my choice. One of them. I, can I read you one of them? Yeah, I really should. The, you lang- know, the languages of your people—it's horrible. I, uh, you, you come on the podcast and you read um, the work of people you love, and I come on the podcast and I read my own work because I am a terrible, terrible person. Uh, this is just a list of ailments. No, I read some stuff that I wrote. Oh, this was me and Sarah Galvin. I mean, it was a. Oh yeah, you did. You did. Yeah, it was funny. I'm tooting my own horn. All right, good, good. No, don't paint me as some sort of angel, John. <laughs> your your horn sounds good. Your angel, hear, your angel paint won't last on me. Do you want to hear uh, some folk wisdom translated from Latvian, or do you want to hear a list of diseases from the Czech? Um, diseases, please. Diseases. For 400. Uh, ailments from the Czech. Improper elasticity of the triple massage neck. Nasal vicissitudes from a postnatal faint. Concerning flesh hatch of the nethermost lip, just, justly pre-existing nick on the deflated tertiary nipple, obligatory crinkle of the twelfth deviant stem, ruddy hyperextension of the postman stalk, an odd niche between the connective and third-order vessels, a burn scar on the nose, bacterial brisket from an overfeeding diet, hollering trophy mouth, Stinging preapism of the Creslow pack hump. Oppositional tendril on the mandibular slash tracheal sac. Stuck muzzle. Paradox- Paradoxical tenderness of the secondary skull. Dustiness in the mechanical chamber. Preserved exploded knuckles. Nasal jealousy. Funny stuck back. Docent's overbite. False tongue. Poodle tooth. This has been the bibliography of Brian Eno's unreleased uh, album. <laughs> it does have a track listing-y feel to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Poodle I, Tooth I, is coming out first. They're all being, the whole backlog is coming out. Starting with Poodle Tooth, then Flesh Hatch. Wait, is Backlog, the, uh, is backlog an ailment as well? Something, something in the dusky chamber, was it? Mechanations in the dusky chamber. You should do a um. You should do a series of misrememberings <laughs> of your translation of my translations. Yeah. Uh, little foot. Um, <laughs> tenderness of the left hand domain. Uh, um, wash, wash your butt. I can't remember. Uh. So yeah, I I bundled them into four groups of five, and I sent them to online literary magazines via submittable. And some of them are already going to come out in Diagram. Have you ever seen Diagram? Yeah, nice nice little mag online mag. And uh, um and I sent it, the other ones I haven't heard from yet. Of course, it's early days, but um you should send to the Bat City Review. Oh yeah, I'll buy that to my list. Yeah, oh, I'm. Awesome. I'm Bat City Review, Austin, Texas. All right, cool. Some friends run it. Austin Bat City is my favorite. uh, Bat City. Yeah, yeah. So Lit Mags, I've been sending things to Lit Mags and kind of enjoy it. I feel like a grad student again. It's it's good. Mm -hmm. I should continue to write things that my agent doesn't want to see. 
Yeah. Yeah. Although I'm writing something now that I hope you will want to see, um, which is a story about there was this guy who um, I had this conversation with my friend Adam from the band who um, he's he's generally lived in larger towns than this and is very vexed by part of the. He's more of a Rochester and Elmira kind of guy. No, he's from. I think he's from uh, more of an like, eerie? big, bigger college towns, like in North Carolina. Right. And he's fr- frustrated by this Ithaca thing, which is the th- the thwarting of desires, uh, which is kind of a cultural touchstone in Ithaca life, and how you you know you you his exa- one of his examples going is going into a bar. And there's no one there, and the bartender looks very stressed out that you're there. And it's only after you try to order that the bartender tells you that they're closed. And then you, and then you say, "Well, that it's ten why o'clock door, on Wednesday, yeah. and why is the door open?" And and the bartender says, "Well, Jim was supposed to pick up the kegs, and he never did, and he's not here, so I really can't. I really should close." And then you say, "But." You're we're right here, standing here, and there's bottles of liquor behind you, and the doors open, and that then you you just don't don't get served. This is an upstate New York kind of experience. So I've had this experience, yeah, but really all over the country, cities well, large and small. I you know, Rian, I told Rian about this conversation. She and mm-hmm. she defended upstate New York, and I I would too. I love it here, although I do I do feel like there's a special. Uh, but you know, like a, f- a special post post hippie for zone to the way this gets not done here. But I was reminded of a boomerish not you, not a boomerish none for you sort of yeah. tendency. Yeah. Boomerish yeah. none for youisms. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's kind of um, it's kind of like they want you to know that wanting something, uh, that having a strong desire is declasse or is you know improper. In this this leads to suffering. Um, so, but I was reminded of this guy who um, he, he had a. This guy was making amazing bread. This great baker. This is a couple of years ago, and but the only way you could get the bread is you had to sign up to get the bread of your choice on the internet, and then you would go to this particular place, and it wasn't the kind of place where you'd expect to get bread. It was like this little gift shop attached to the used furniture store. And you could go only for one hour on this one particular day and you would pick up your bread. But if you were there early enough, you could ask for a focaccia. And the focaccia was the best thing. It's the It was the best bread the guy made. You'd make a few extra focaccia. No, he, you, couldn't, you couldn't reserve focaccia. It was only an extra... If you showed up early enough to ask for it, even though it was to the thing everyone your, to wanted. To pick up your bread, to pick up the bread that was. Right. I see. It's complicated. It was complicated. So then when you, and when you arrive, there's a, there's a line to get the bread, right? But you have to first go to the front of the line and pick up a clipboard and find your name and your order and then sign and then re- put the clipboard down and then go back to the back of the line. Then you had to wait. And if all you really wanted was focaccia, and other people got there before you, tough shit. You know, even he's, he would never like respond to demand. Would you ever see his face? More. Oh, no, yeah. His hands. No, oh. it was a cult of personality. He, you uh-huh. know, he would stand there behind the table with this beatific smile. He's a very, very good looking guy that lots of women of a certain age, which is to say my age, would go in there and flirt with him, and he would flirt back, and uh, they would, you know, he would spend as much time as possible talking to the attractive women who were buying bread from him. And meanwhile, you're tapping your foot, thinking, oh my God, the focaccio's walking away right now. Oh my God, if only I was a little bit prettier. Yeah. Yeah, listen to me, uh, 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 Ivy League educated white man complaining about other people getting attention, but still, uh, I, I, re- I eventually realized that this the entire the entire um, concept of this of this bread stand was it was it was controlling the the means of distribution to benefit the ego of the baker. You know, he could he could have he could have opened a shop. He could have sold the bread in a store. You know, in yeah. the health food store, perhaps. 
but he had to have Control. this really specific arrangement where people would come to him in a specific manner, you know, and the thing that you wanted the most was the least accessible thing and would only be given to you if you showed your fealty to him by showing up early. Mm-hmm. So I'm writing a story about that guy. Oh, you are? Yeah. yeah. He's got it figured out. He does. Um, the name of the the name of his operation in the story is it's not there's not the name in real life I've forgotten the name in real life but the name in the story is Mana Breads of Quality. I thought Mana was the perfect combination of hideous cliche and pretension. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you know, close to Mammon also. <laughs> close to Mammon. Close to Mammon. That's great. Yeah. Um, what other exciting things? What are you gonna have for? You gonna eat that locks? You gonna eat that? Oh, I can't wait. Bagel locks. Where'd it come from? Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I love you. Do you have I a locks you, farm? Ed, are you I raising really locks? I really want to go. Really want to go eat that. Uh, no. Um, Toby and Rian now have a, uh, a gym regimen. They go to the gym together every day, and then they stop for sandwiches afterward. And uh, Rian got uh, this locks and bagel, and only one and half. Nice. Like the brilliant, awesome person she is, she only wanted half. Yeah, two things. Two things I got to tell you. Two things. One, teaching the boy to drive. Owen. Uh, and I got to say, it's a challenge to teach a person to drive. First of all, because it's one of those things that once you learn becomes muscle memory. Yeah. You don't. You don't think. You don't know how, you, don't know how you drive. You don't know how you drive. And so you have the experience watching someone else try to do it for the first time that it just seems impossibly incompetent because it's automatic. It's a thing you just put your hands here, you put your foot here, and you drive. You know, and you turn the wheel sometimes. Not that often, really. Right. So I said to him, you know, we went over to the uh, Ithaca College parking lot. um, Advanced sitting. (laughs) <laughs> pretty much right that's how it feels when you're doing it and um i said yeah you want to just go over there just go over there and he said i don't how do i go over there it's like well you push the gas pedal a little bit and you turn the wheel and he said but how do you turn the wheel and i said well and then i realized it's there's no it, it's not necessarily natural that clockwise would be right and counterclockwise would be left that's not on all vehicles. Airplanes, everything's kind of reversed or upside down. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, so... Um, Boats, I think so, maybe it's know, the other way around because it's the rudder. He figured it out He figured it out pretty pretty quickly, but I realized that, like, he, you know, he didn't know how far to turn it to, to turn how sharply and the things that... Or, for instance, you've made your turn, now you want to straighten out again. You have to put, turn the wheel the other way, but you're not turning the other way. You're just unturning yeah. the first way. So, and that's so a it process, goes back right? to a middle position naturally. I exactly. Think, it? Yeah, it yeah. does. But it's how would you, you know, know? If, if you're a very nervous young man and you and you don't want to, you know, crash, you, that your father you don't know that. You. Yeah. <laughs> I was not. I actually have to with say, a baton. Uh-huh. To my great to my great surprise, it was actually one of the best sort of father son moments we've had in a long time. We, it actually was pretty unstressful for me anyway, and uh, he he did great, and it's and he's going to get good at it very quickly, I'm sure. But but uh, it was it was kind of, and then it got me thinking about how what how much of the rest of my life I'm am I doing automatically? Am I doing thoughtlessly? All of it, probably. A lot of things. I don't think you're doing anything important thoughtlessly, John. Oh really, Ed? <laughs> but but we do a lot of things with memory. Yeah, uh, cooking food. I think if it's something you, you you make frequently, I think you might do it kind of unconsciously. Yeah, yeah brushing your teeth. Right. Yeah, cleaning your glasses. <laughs> I should start doing these things mindfully. Mindfully brushing mm-hmm. my teeth. Attending committee meetings. When have you re- when have you last really brushed your teeth, Ed? I mean, really brush them. I might not have ever really done it right. <laughs> I don't shave right. I know that. Well, you, you look good today. 
You think well, like I shaved, but I shave in the shower, so I can't really tell until I'm out of the shower, and I go like miss a whole thing, you know. Mutton chop. Yeah. The other thing I want to tell you is I just decided yesterday uh, that I am I'm not going to quit drinking, but I'm going to not drink. That's for a, a good few resolution. Days. Yeah, good because resolution. Uh, because I realized that I I realized this in Scotland when I. You know, when I first got there, I got some groceries, including some whiskey. And so every night I would have a couple of drinks. And then I was leaving the house I was staying in, and I was going to stay in hotels for a couple of nights. And I had a little moment of panic that where where would I get some booze to drink? What if I didn't have some whiskey that I could mm-hmm. sip in my hotel room? And that seemed uh, unhealthy to me. Mm-hmm. And so and I thinking back, I realized I... I almost never drink to excess, but I always, always drink. I never don't drink. So I think last night I didn't have any alcohol for the first time in, I don't know, years maybe. And it made no no difference whatsoever. No difference. I slept the same. I felt the same when I woke up. But I do, but I do, I did not fill my body with empty calories. So there's that. But but just as an experiment, I'm going to, I think I'm going to try drinking less just to see. Yeah. See, I don't know. Um, but probably good for you. I don't know. I don't think people should change their drinking habits as adults. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's like painting your car. <laughs> it's like it was tempting fate. You know. Well, you know, he stopped drinking and then he got leukemia. You know. I don't know. Towards the end, there things were. I don't know. He's stopped drinking sherry, and I don't know. It's sort of. It's a way that people can date your uh, <clears throat> your yes. decline. So we should are uh-huh. we should maintain all habits indefinitely. No, but the drinking habits seem to be a particular one that that people use yeah. to like carbon date you, or I feel like your tree rings or something. You know. It's, yeah. Well, I think because a lot of people when they when they quit drinking, they change a great deal. I mean, uh, well, if they're like if they're drunks, yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, you and I have known lots of people like that who have uh, who've changed a yeah. lot. When that was it saves, know, Mark- saves their life, and they become boring. <laughs> no, I'm thinking I can think of plenty of people who are not boring who stop drinking and are boring. But <laughs> but um, but I think I don't think uh, I think drinking just makes me uh, more g- goofy. Um, yeah. So I, I, and I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to quit. But I love it. But I, I never drink alone. It would never occur to me to drink by myself. Really? That, that, that never occurs to me. To just pop a beer or have a have a drink if I'm alone. Oh, that which always I, occurs to me. Which I think is 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 good. For yeah, me. I think so too. Um, and if I'm just if even if I'm around the house, um, I don't really like to have. And people are over. I don't really like to drink. I don't like to drink in my own home. Really? Yeah. Um, and I don't. I don't really like to drink in other people's houses. I like to. I like to drink in a bar, a restaurant with friends. Yeah, me too. Maybe on a back oh, porch. S- afterwards. Speaking of which. Speaking field, of which, my friend. A boat. Uh. A boat? On a camel. I mean, anyway, you you're know, not, I'm, you're not, you're not, anybody who knows I me hope. knows that I'm not, I've never turned down a drink, but, but I, I you know, <laughs> or a boat think, ride for that matter. I think people, I think friends may think I drink a lot more than I do because when they see me, I have a drink in my hand, but I'm not in public very often. And I probably am drinking when I'm out in public out of either some, you know, just shyness or violence. Is there a difference between those? I, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of drinking in public, uh, my wife has added to her repertoire of things that we can do together now. Uh, writing in public, we've been we've been hanging out in coffee oh. shops and bars, writing together. Same uh, table. Yeah. Different table. No, same table. But uh, we went to. I just want to give a shout out to our favorite bar on Long Beach Island, which is uh, Kubel's in Barnegat Light. Uh, it used to be they were they were a little questionable because it always reeked of mice, 
in there. Uh, yeah. yeah. But um, then, but then uh, the uh, hurricane. Dolls hurricane... always smell like mice. What? Dolls always smell like mice. Yeah, they do sometimes. I always think there's probably they? a mouse in a doll. Pink. <laughs> but but since, since Hurricane Sandy, uh, when Kubel's was flooded, <laughs> it, it swept the mice away. And they cl- when they cleaned it up, I think they cleaned up the mice as well. And so yeah. now it smells as good. As mermaids now, but yeah. yeah. Mermaids. Well, you know, they smell all right. <laughs> mermaids. <laughs> oh, I like that concept a lot. Um <laughs> But uh, I got we did a lot of work there. It was great. Go in there and um, you know sit next to we sat next to a big uh, vitrine full of uh, shark bones, a sword made out of shark bones. Vitrine, yeah, vitrine, not latrine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, vitrine. not latrine. A bell jar. I didn't say shark? latrine. No, you didn't. Come on. No, you said vitrine. I misheard you. I was all right. All right. Boy, uh, I'm talking about a vitrine. Together. Put it together. You must have meant vitrine. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Uh, overlooking the sea. Big, big um, woodsy, oaky room with yeah, windows. Yeah, I think I think you can see the sea from it. I mean, it's right. It's it's right on the uh, it's right on the on the bay, uh, oh. on the marina there. Uh, oh. So you look you look out the window. Overlooking you see boats. the marina boats. Yeah, it's yeah, nice. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's you know dark panel. I think you. Wood. I think you think you write. Your people will probably write twenty percent better when they can see a boat. Really? Mm-hmm. See now that's yeah, really it, ups, it, ups, it ups your business by twenty percent. You know, I Getting made I, a boat. I made some uh, made some new enemies uh, this morning by every time I, someone tweets the ass in the chair writing advice. You know, this time it was a quote from Evelyn. Evelyn, whoa, whoa. Evelyn Wu. Um, Evelyn Wu. I don't. I don't know how to say this shit. Sorry, man. Uh, but anyway, uh, let me find this this thing. The quote was: "There's only one rule for a writer: the early application of the bottom to the seat of the chair," which is just another rehashing of "put your ass in the chair." The thing that I hate more than any piece of writing yeah. advice, but. I think a good piece of writing advice is what you just said. You write twenty percent better when you're looking at a boat. Yeah, it's true. Universally that's, true. That, that's good advice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I have some big news, but we can hold it off for next week. Really? Mm. Okay. Okay. That sounds good. That's All right. Well, we are nearing. We're teaser. nearing the time we should stop. So that is a good teaser. All right. Okay, well, John, good talking to you. Welcome back I, from I the um, shore. Thank you. Thank you. And welcome back from all of your travels as well. Looks like it was relaxing. You look relaxed. Thank you. Thank you. It was. I am. I'm going to go eat my bagel now. Are you hungry for lunch? Well, then let's have lunch. Do you want some lunch? Well, then we'll give you some lunch. Do you have a hankering for lunch? Well then come to lunch Cause it's time for lunch Box with Ed and John That's right It's time for lunch Box with Ed and John